theyeshiva.net. Let's continue. Uh, we have 10 minutes. Let's continue Viter. If you you have Torah Erz, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So we basically came into this Mimer to just explore in more detail the Almadis Kasi, Almadis Galia. But now let's go back here to this Maimon which, as I told you, was said a year earlier by the Balatanya, where he goes off to continue about Leia and Rachel a little bit in a different kav, but very similar in many ways. And we'll learn another shtickle here. So we're on, we're in Vayetse, page 45, Davchav Gimel Amad Aleph, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. 11 lines from the top of Gimel, column 1. The line starts, Hakad And basically the idea, as you remember, was that in Eretz Yisrael, today you have Leah without Rachel. And therefore those who can access the energy of Leah today in Eretz Yisrael will comprehend things that even Tzaddikim in the time of the Beis HaMeshach didn't comprehend. And he gives his classic example of the Arizal, who basically got in touch with the energy of Leah, Tikkun Leah. of Kisnu Leah. So now you have to understand why it says Kishnu Aleya. Here's the Shaila. Had a Yaakov his Sigvade Bahmadis Kasim. Khaira, mainly you come to Ertisrol now and you're not massing anything. So you say, there's nothing in Ertisrol that I could feel. But Khaira, Yaakov had a Hasaga that there's something called Ahmadis Kasim. And even if you're going to say Ahmadis Kasim was revealed, even from Yaakov, what's the Snu Aleya? That's what he asks in this mind. In Zohar, he identifies Yaakov as the Bria Chaticha. The Pasuk says in Truma that the beams of the Mishkan were held by Brichim. Brichim are bars. And the bars went from one wall, from one side, from the north to the south. But there were usually two bars that were connected. There was a Bria Chaticha a central bar, because there were three bar, three layers of, three uh, levels of bars. The middle one was Mavriach Min HaKotza, from one side, all the way to the It didn't meet up in the middle with another bar and was connected. It was a Briach HaTich and a Mavriach Min HaKotza LaKotza. So Zoyar says that Yaakov is that Briach, represents that Briach HaTich and Min HaKotza LaKotza. What does this mean? It's a spiritual idea, Pirush. Shehu HaMam Shechayrin Seif Baruch Hu Min HaKotza Yoyna. Yaakov Avinu's role is he wants to bring down the infinite light from the highest kotzer. The highest kotzer means the highest edge, the highest um, kotzer from the highest uh, stream. Uh, stream. Stream from the highest extreme. From the highest extreme. Yeah. Hainu in parentheses he's going to say give the kabbalistic term as he usually does, but we're not going to elaborate now. Hakav Habaykei which is the ray of the divine which bursts into the vacuum. I'll just say that Arizal taught that before the world was created, the infinite light filled up everything, and then there was what's called a tzimtzum, a withdrawal that created a vacuum called a chalal, and then a ray emerges into that chalal, that's called the highest extreme of light, all the way lamata down, min ha-kotza el-ha-kotza, which he said this also in the Mimer of Noyach about Akudim, Nekudim, and Brudim, Elekei Avram, Elekei Yitzchak, Ve'elekei Yaakov. The Vav always represents Hamshacha, a flow from the higher to the lower. 
V'chein, in davening, we say hakel hagodol, hagibar, v'hanoir. Again, noir is Yaakov. Again, it has the vav. Even though grammatically either say hagodol, right? V'hagibar, v'hanoir, hagodol, hagibar, hanoir. No, the last one, Yaakov gets always the vav. Shemiyachid umechaber chesed agvur. And the reason he can do this is because he's the synthesizer between Avram and Yitzchak, Chesed and Gvura, love and discipline. By introducing the Ayin, the sense of nothingness, into Chesed and Gvura, which is the concept of Bittl, he synthesizes the two. Now, in the end of Noach, if you remember, we gave the long shit about what beauty is, what Tiferis is. That Yaakov is beauty, splendor, which represents empathy, which is basically... Touching the ayin, which ayin is basically the sense that is undefined. And as a result of that, the chesed and the gvura make peace because they're both ultimate reflections of the undefined reality. But as long as you're not in touch with the undefined reality, they take themselves very seriously and therefore they become an opposition, they're in opposition to each other. When you have the ayin, the sense of nothingness which transcends all, then each part, everyone feels you're part of the whole, but you're not all of the whole, and therefore together with the other one, you can recreate the whole. So therefore, through the bittel, the ayin creates peace between the chesed and the gvura. He always reaches for the lowest, lowest, lowest space. He wants to bring it down. He wants the vav. He always wants to come, it should come down to the conscious revealed world, Yaakov's role. To bring it from the highest to the lowest, and therefore to synthesize. And it should not remain only above. That's why the Pasuk says, Yaakov loved also Rachel, but more than Leah. Now right away, in the English translation, you miss the Pasuk. Because the Pasuk, well, the translation was always say, Yaakov loved Rachel more than Leah. It's not what the Pasuk says. But it says, Yaakov also loved Rachel. Whenever you say also, gam, what does it mean? He loved Leah too. So we have an inherent contradiction in Torah. And the inherent paradox is intentional to teach you the subtlety of it. Because everyone says, Rachel he loved, and Leah he didn't like. One second. It says, Vayahav gam es Rachel. So right away... He loved also Rachel, meaning who was his first love? Leah. He loved her, and he also loved her. But then it says, me Leah. <laughs> but he loves her also, but more than Leah. In other words, that there's an avatar that Leah. There's also an avatar Rachel. But then there's a deep avatar Rachel, more than Leah. And then it says, Vayar Hashem Kisnu Leah. Meaning, what's the pshat? Shekotshu kosoi hayoliyaz gileyed in seyparuchu lamata ba'almadiz galya. His entire craving, like his, his desire, what we would call an obsession, but it's not an obsession, his, his yearning was that the Eirein Saif should be expressed in Almadiz Gali, in the revealed conscious world. Why? So everybody will be able to receive it. When things remain in Almadiz Kasya, it remains so elite, so sublime, it cannot be experienced by everybody. Only Almadiz Galya can be experienced by everybody. So what he's saying here is as follows. When the Tanakh speaks of love, it's often to be understood in a little more subtle terms than we speak about somebody being loved. You say, I love you means, I see your mindless, I'm attracted to you, I want to be with you. The other person, not. What he's saying here is, no, Yaakov appreciated a lot about Leah. But Vayev, Yaakov Esrochel means... 
that Yaakov felt that a tremendous, his tremendous contribution is to bring Leah down into Rachel. What he said before, that Leah should be able to be filtered through Rachel. That things should come down into Almadiz Galia, because then everybody could be at Mechabal. That's why it says when he meets Rachel, he kisses Rachel. Later, there'll be a Vayishakeyu by Yaakov and Esav, and in the Sefer Torah, there's Nekudas, there's dots on the Vayishakeyu, the Hainu. Kiss, a kiss represents a very deep dveikus. Because it's, there's different types of relationships. One is called zivug neshikin. Zivug neshikin is a kiss. Rashi says, Yishakenim and neshikis piyu is not on the hands, but pel pe. Mouth to mouth. And that's considered as dapkus rucha berucha, that the breath, of one enters into the breath of the other, that their pnim, the breath is, represents the pnimius, that their pnimius mixes. That's why it's called neshikin shaboyim pnimius ava. Why do you kiss somebody? So he's not talking about a superficial kiss. Why do you just speak to them? Why do you kiss? A kiss means my words can't capture the love. So you go, Mah! right? Sometimes a father will take a child, I can't tell you how much I love you. Mah! Kid may hate it, but that's a separate cheshbon. It's more about your experience of love, maybe not what they want. Okay, that's a separate Indian. But the point is, I can't express it in words, so I give you a kiss. Okay, you have people already, they kiss robotically. You know, you meet somebody in certain situations, you have to give a kiss out of social norm. That's not pnimi yisava, maybe if I care. But the point here is that real neshikin in its, in its depth means it's a deeper form of love that's not easily articulated. So vayishak Yaakov means that Yaakov really wanted to share his deepest self with Rachel, by Yishak Yaakov, his deepest self. Leah will be able to facilitate it. But his chiddush is, the chiddush of Yaakov is, that it comes into Rachel, it comes into Almadir's Galya. That's why he tells her, he tells Lava, I'll serve you seven years for Rachel, your youngest daughter. So Chazal are troubled, Berachel, Bitcha, Aktana, Rashi, the famous Rashi, right? It was all Simonim, that he shouldn't fool him. He says there's a deeper element here. Lavon, Hubchinus, Loivan, Aelian. I mentioned the previous year. Lavon is from the word Loivan, which spiritually means the higher whiteness. Mokir HaChasadim, the source of all Chesed, Shekuloi, Rachem, and Pshutim. Complete compassion, the lay, smaller Bahayatik. In Atik, which is in Kabbalah Keser, there's no left. There's only chesed, only white. Here below, it looked like the physical lovin who was not very uh, impressive. He was a crook. But every concept in this world has a shayrish in the ruchni's world. So lovin actually has a very deep shayrish in keser where there's no smile. It's all white, it's all lovin. And he says, And even in this world, you see, when something is completely lovin, it becomes tahar. In Saras, right? person has a white patch on their skin. Tome. What happens if the entire skin turns white? Tahir. Even on Nega, even Saras. In other words, you see, even the way Lovan comes down, it has a trace of something very, very heavy. And as he says, the Lovan is a crook down here, which is, of course, a distortion of truth. But in its source, the crookedness of Lovan originates in a very idealistic idea. That nothing is fixed. Nothing is fixed. I'm not defined by anything. A crook is not defined by anything. 
not a word, not a contract, not a commitment. So you can't deal with such a person because there's no, uh, there's no, uh, no commitment, no pledge. In the Shirish, what does it come from? In the Shirish, what does it come from? It comes from Hashem, the way He's undefined. So therefore, there's no color. I'm not today. I'm this. Tomorrow, I'm this. I'm not defined by something. Mm-hmm. Now, if we could trace this down to a crook down here, it might mean, it might mean that the ultimate tikkun of a of a love on is not by denying it. It's by tracing it back to its original source. In other words, not to live in a world of definition. Again, we're talking about marriage. Sometimes you have a wife or a husband. One of them is very, uh, what they would call today a yekke. And the other one is uh, completely unpredictable. Whatever he says, the exact opposite he does. So it's usually, it could get very, very, uh, yeah. Somebody once said, what happens when a Lubavitcher marries a yekke? So you have a Mashiach who comes on time. Uh, it, It could get very complicated between the two, Right? So usually one wants to crush the other, uh, stop being so fixed, and you stop being so chaotic. But sometimes it's an idealistic point. Sometimes the person, they have a certain element of freedom, emancipation, and they don't know how to live it out in this world. So it comes out in very primitive ways. It could come out in dishonesty, it could come out in a lack of communication, because they don't understand how to translate the love on into love <laughs> The way Lavan gets translated in this world, it gets very, very distorted. But really in the Shairish, it's a very pure thing. It's extremely pure. So Lavan is actually a very, very deep Indian. The way it comes out, Lamat is in a very distorted way. So when Yaakov speaks to Lavan here, Lavan is the one who does all the switching. Again, there's the way it comes out through Lavan here. In the Shairish, the switch between Rachel and Leah always happens through Lavan. It always happens through the undefined reality of God. And in order to make peace with it, you have to be able to become comfortable with that lover. You have to be able to understand what that lover is. That the switch between one state to another state is a very complicated switch, but it comes because it doesn't want you to be stuck anywhere. And because it doesn't want you to be stuck anywhere, therefore lover will make a switch between Rachel and Leah. We'll continue in the next year. Uh, the woman has to be the right Oh, you mean the end of the Mimer? Ah, the end of the Mimer. That she has to be able to become a macabre. It's not so simple, yeah. That a woman should be able to be a macabre, yeah. So the Torah told us about the crisis by saying, So you understood what the, what the crisis was. Does the Torah hint at the Dinoma also, at the resolution? In other words, it is... And the Torah is telling us in Snowlea all this undercurrent of what's happening. We should, if, if he's going to argue his thesis... Excellent he, question. He, Excellent question. That's, I think, the story of the Dudayim. In the story of the Dudayim, Rachel asks for Dudayim. So Leia gives this response that seems very outlandish. It's not enough that you took my husband. Now you're going to take my Dudayim? Really? I took your husband? Maybe you took my husband. Right? So what does Leah say? You're right. Take my husband. Rachel says. Rachel says. You're right. I'm saying you see that uh, 
what you're saying is an important nakuda that a, a woman, a woman to be able to become a makabel for her husband, so he should be able to be a mashpia, is a very deep experience. It's psychologically very deep also because uh, what happens is to be a makabel is harder than to be a mashpia. You know that, right? I'll give an example. Let's say I. It's not so. It's not so dramatic like in a marriage, but the concept. Let's say I prepare shear. Powerful shear. I worked hard a week. I worked a week on it. I come. Nobody shows up. Or people show up, but they're sleeping. Or they show up. They're texting. Or they're not interested. Okay. So what do you feel? What do I feel? I feel uh, frustrated, disappointed, angry. Uh, like a loser, wasting your time, whatever the feeling is. Let's say it's the other way around, okay? A student emptied out his schedule and his day and his week to go somewhere to learn by somebody, and he opened himself up to really sit at the feet of this master, and the person doesn't show up. What does he feel? You see the difference? (laughs) He doesn't just feel... uh, I'm disappointed, I'm frustrated, I have nobody to talk to, it's different. He feels betrayed in a very deep space. Why? You understand why? The first person, yeah, I have the information, okay, I couldn't get it out, fine, it stays inside. Sometimes it's better. You could sit with it more. The other person, they actually had Messiris Nefesh. They emptied out their whole system, and they created, I don't have a better word for it, and it's the best word, they created a womb. A woman creates a womb, literally, biologically and emotionally. A rechem. She creates an opening like this, an open space. And what does it ask for? Fill it. And for that, you have to suspend yourself. The Talmud who came to sit at the feet of his master, it's a form of mysterious nefesh. I don't mean literal mysterious nefesh. Emotionally, I suspended myself, physically, emotionally, spiritually, because I want to be macabre from you. And what happens? The guy doesn't show up. Or he shows up, but he ignores him. Or he teaches him, he's not interested. So I'm like, huh? And you're left with, you're left, you're left with an open, with an emptiness. Essentially, Alpi Chassidus, that's what Nida is. What's Nida? Alpi Allah also. It's not just, what's Nida? The uterus is open. The child doesn't come. So what happens? It shatters. And there's blood. And there's tumma. It's a very heavy tumma. So, again, without depth, you think the Tumah, she's dirty. She's not dirty. Why is she dirty? <laughs> she needs a mikvah because she's dirty. A mikvah is not for, for cleanliness. You can take a shower, it's better. I mean, it depends on the mikvah, but uh, <laughs> it's not about dirt. Tumah doesn't mean dirt. Tumah is a form of pain. Tumah is a void. Tumah is a void. A void is created. I created a womb. This is male or female, and it's, it's not filled. A man's job is to be a mashpia. That's a heavy job. A makabal takes much more. Serious nefesh. Makabal means I'm open and I'm waiting for you to fill it. Not just physically, I mean emotionally. Physically and emotionally and spiritually. That's not simple. In our generation, yeah, what, what was feminism? <laughs> feminism on a spiritual level was basically women saying... For 3,000 years, we created wombs. And instead of filling it, you betrayed it. That's it. Uh, Gloria Steinem said, women need men like fish need bicycles. Was it her? Sounds like her. 
What's the vart? It's over. Fish don't need bicycles. We don't need you. It's over. Done. Goodbye, Charlie. You live your life. If you want to get married, fine. We'll, 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 we'll negotiate. The concept of Mashpia Makabal today sounds very uh, uh, chauvinistic, absolute. Uh, you know, it's good maybe in some Hasidic isolated communities where they're living in the 13th century. But, uh, but in the, you know, enlightened people who speaks like this, she makes more money than he does. <laughs> or equal, the whole language. But the truth is, it's a very deep language. It's a very sophisticated language. doesn't mean she doesn't give him. could be she gives him more than he gives her. doesn't mean she's not bright. doesn't mean... could be she's... Gemara Osa Nubini Yisei Denit Nebisha. We're not the first generation to discover that women are smart. Gemara Osa how smart you are or how charismatic you are. Some women are more charismatic, much deeper, much wiser, much more sensitive. Most smart men consult their wives when it comes to serious decisions for a reason, right? It's not stamma, this. The vart is, makabal is a very deep idea. Makabal is the courage to be able to open yourself up for somebody's hashpa in your core. You know, you know how deep that is and you know how much confidence you need for that. You know how much confidence you need to be a makabal? It's very deep. To be a makabal, to say, I will sit and I'll be ready for you to fill me. And when the husband doesn't do it, it's a very, very painful. Much more, now, if the mashpia gives, the makabal doesn't show up, it's also painful, very painful. But it's a different type of pain. The Gemara says this in one line. Ein isha kairesis bris. Remember the Gemara? A woman doesn't make a covenant only with the one who made her a vessel. The Gemara means Pashat physically also. The first wife of a person's life that he made her into a kli, biologically, in terms of psulim, etc. So there's a loyalty to her, to loyalty to him. But it's much deeper than this. The Daltarebbe brings it in other places. Chris's bris means an eternal covenant. I make a Chris's bris. It's not a bris. Chris's bris means David and Yoinison. We're in. She'll make a Chris's bris. Lamisha saw Kli. Somebody who made a Kli. So for Leah to become a Makabal is not a simple thing. You have to understand. For Rachel to be a Makabal is more natural. For Leah to become a But she knew the marriage can't work if she's not a Makabal. But to be a makabal is not simple. To be a makabal, you have to be a deep mashpia to be a makabal. To be a makabal means I'm ready to accept and I'm ready to fill. I'm ready to get filled with something. And that's why women have a chush and empathy. When you tell a problem to a man, naturally he's going to give you solutions, right? Your wife tells you, I'm so hungry. So every chacham says, so go eat. You think your wife doesn't know that if you're hungry, you're supposed to eat? You think you're a mechadish this? You're going to get a Nobel Prize? Because you're a mechadish? She doesn't want to eat. She wants to tell you that she's hungry. She's not telling you she wants to eat. She knows you have to eat. She wants to tell you, she wants you to create space for the fact that she's hungry. That's it. It's called empathy. You don't need so. We rather give solutions. A problem with this? Okay, so do this. That's step two. Step one is <coughs> be quiet. <laughs> Not, it's not easy for me. You have, right, have to be mashri. You have to manipulate this. Who asked you to manipulate? Accept it. Listen. It's hard for people to know what listening is. Just to be present in somebody else's experience. It's a feminine chush. You know what I'm talking about? They could listen to somebody. And that's it. Listening is much deeper than fixing it. 
That's the Nekud of Mekabal. Now again, I don't mean to make generalizations here. Sometimes the woman doesn't know how to be a Mekabal. The guy doesn't know how to be a Mashpia. The, way, the, the, the biological and biological nature of a woman is that she's a Mekabal Pashat physically every month because spiritually it's like that. Mitzadalei is tremendous madrege. She had to come down to be able to be a Mekabal that Yaakov should be able to fill something. To become a Levush for Midas. Of course he's talking here on a spiritual level. Lei represents a certain dynamic of awareness that's so deep that for Yaakov to fill it, Leia has to come down into another level of awareness. This is on many layers. There's a lot of layers here. You could experience it on many layers. Gashmi, Zeruchni, psychologically, spiritually, and Avedis Hashem, and so forth. Ayid wrote me an email on Friday that, uh, I guess he was tuned in, that um, uh, he had an epiphany in his life, and that is, even though it doesn't say here clearly, that his whole relationship with God was only a relationship with Rachel. And he always hated, he, he had a very deep, Kivayachal, he had a deep sin that he felt to Hashem. And uh, he couldn't get rid of it. He couldn't get rid of it. And then when he learned this, he heard the Shir, he said, Ah, it's Leah. I, only, I could only accept a God that fits into my imagination. Now, as we know, it's very hard to fit God into your imagination. When you're a kid and life is great, maybe. People get older and there's pain, it's very hard to do that. So he said it opened him up to the fact that he never accepted Leah. And a relationship means there's Rachel and there's Leah. It was just a very powerful insight. Okay, she was supposed to be over 15 minutes ago. Okay, we're holding the line that starts, Hu Afilu Hanega. Hu Afilu Hanega. In the middle of the page, that's Tavchav Gimel Amad Aleph. So the point was that Leia and Rachel represent the two states of Machshava and Dibur, Alma Deskasya, Alma Deskalya, the hidden world, the revealed world. And here he explains that Yaakov's deep objective and intention and purpose was to bring down everything into the lowest space where it could be revealed and manifested and uh, utilized in a very concrete and real way. And that's Vayishak Yaakov L'Rachel Neshikin, which represents the pnimius of love that's usually not articulated in words. Even that he wants to bring out in Rachel, and he tells Lavan, I will serve you seven years for Rachel. What said, I will serve you seven years for, for Rachel. So he says, Lavan represents, Lavan means whiteness, Lavan represents primordial whiteness, which is the source of chesed, white, all rachamim without any left-oriented component, even though it comes down physically into Lovon. So he continues here about Lovon. He says, Lovon, it says at the end of Ayetzeh, Vayeshkem Lovon Baboike. Lovon wakes up in the morning. Shabachol yoyim izgabri v'nimshech oir ha-chesed elyim. Vayeshkem Lovon Baboike is not just a one-time story, it's a daily story. Every morning when a person wakes up, right when you wake up, there's an energy of love and there's an energy of chesed. When a person wakes up, there's a certain, a few minutes of grace before you check your iPhone. Once you check your iPhone, it's over. But the moment a person wakes up, early in the morning, there's an oil of love and of whiteness that sets into a person's mind and soul. 
even though, of course, you know, we start thinking about things and often get stressed out very fast, or or um, or a person gets bogged down by various thoughts. But in the morning, right away, that's the morning is very, very precious because right when you wake up, by Yashkim, there's always a pchin of love and always bechol yoy mezgabe v'nimshach erach chesedalit. What's the next thing that happens? This is when Lovan chases after Yaakov and they make their peace treaty and Lovan sleeps over the night and then it says, Vayashkin Lovan Baboyka and he kisses his sons and his daughters and he goes back to his place. Vayakov Halach Ladarka. So he explains it all up here, Ruchnis. Lovan, the Eir of Chesed, wakes up every morning. Vayanashik Levonavul of Noisav. And Lovan kisses all of his sons and daughters, meaning, Shanimshach Bechol Partsufe Haatzilus Charem Unakavis. The Eir of Chesed, we're talking here about the spiritual love. The Eir of Chesed kisses all of its sons and all of its daughters, which means that it, it's communicated in all of the structures of the world of Atzillus, both male and female, Chachma, Bina, Chesed, Gvura, all the structures, all of the organisms, Partsufim is, organ, is an organism, a structure. All the spiritual organisms of the world of Atzillus get kissed which, as we said, kiss is an expression of very profound love, such an intense love that you don't have words to express it, and therefore the only way you can express it is through the physical kiss, which in a, in a way captures much more than words can ever capture. Even though words are vehicles for ideas, and a kiss is just a physical gesture, a physical action, which seems devoid of inner content, but nonetheless, precisely, because it's devoid of inner content, it could be a vehicle for deeper content, because it's devoid of words. Words have to make sense. A kiss doesn't have to make sense. Words have to have a construct. Words have to have structure. A kiss doesn't need a structure. And that's why the kiss represents a deeper ava, which words cannot articulate, because the kiss, precisely because it's such a physical, so to speak, simple action, contains within it a depth, that can't be easily articulated in words. So loving in the morning, every morning, there's a oil of chesed that kisses. It comes in, it's imbued in all of his sons and all of his daughters, which basically everything comes from Lovan. Lovan alien is like the source. It's the source of all chesed. Teva ha'tayv lahetid. It's the source of whiteness, what's called atika, what's called chesed, rachem emshutim. And that gives and communicates a flow to all of its sons and daughters, meaning all of the structures, all of the spiritual structures of Ishtal Shalos. And what happens after that is, Lovan goes back. Lovan returns back to his own region, which is way up there, because it's the source. And in the source, there's no Gvur. In the source, it's all whiteness. In the source, it's all Chesed. And now, V'yakov Halach Ladarkei. Now, Yaakov, now Yaakov, so to speak, hits the road. Yaakov wants to take that lovan and bring it down from the highest spaces into the lowest places, all the way down to Rachel Bitayaktana. That's why when he introduced the concept to Lovan, the way he said it was Avadcha, I want to serve you for seven years, Birachal Bitcha Haktana. The objective is that the Leuven Aliyan, the highest form of purity, the highest form of chesed, should be able to be articulated not only in an unconscious way, but it should be able to be filtered all the way down from Seichel to Midas, to Machshav, all the way to Dibur, which is ultimately an external projection of the human being, so it becomes concretized. So, Evodcha Sheva Shanim, but my ultimate objective is it should come down all the way, Berachel, 
bitchaktana, which of course here he's referring to the spiritual idea that Rachel represents that which could be articulated in the most conscious way, that the truths of Lavan should not remain and have to remain aloof and sublime because there's whiteness in everybody, there's Lavan in everybody. There's the undefined whiteness in everybody which allows for the switches from Leah to Rachel and Rachel to Leah. But to be able to access that Lavan, the Lavan Shavlim Kaima, in the morning Lavan is there, Lavan is present and he kisses. But then Lavan goes back to his domain till the next morning, and Yaakov is the one who takes that and is Mamshechet Yaakov Holach Ladarka. He takes it down the path. Down the path here is the path of consciousness, from the subconscious to the conscious, all the way down until the world of Dibur, which is Rachel, and that was Yaakov's unique connection and unique fascination and unique love and commitment to. Rachel, Vayav Yaakov is Rachel. So there's a little bit of an asymmetry in the sentence then, because Lavan is referring to the spiritual Lavan, the spiritual quality once it confers on all the structures of Atzilus, that spiritual quality goes back to its lofty source, but Yaakov the person, as opposed to Lavan the spiritual quality, Yaakov the person now takes that quality and brings it all the way down. So Yaakov is not the spiritual Yaakov. No, but also the spiritual. No, the spiritual as well. I mean, it happens to be that there was a difference between Lavan and Yaakov. Because by Lavan, the source was so high that between the source and the manifestation, there was a profound gulf. Where by Yaakov, the Gemara says in the Masech Techulin, a very interesting Gemara, that uh, the reason that the Malachim were going up and down on the ladder is because they were, they were gazing at the image of Yaakov above and the image of Yaakov below. So in other words, by Yaakov, the two images matched each other. Where in most cases, the images don't. Like Lavan in the source is whiteness, which is the source of all colors. In other words, the source of endless possibility. The color, the color white, as we know, includes all the colors. That's the power of Lavan. It's not fixed in a particular color, right? It's not, it's not blue, it's not red. It has blue and it has red. It includes blue and red, etc., and, uh, but the way Lovin comes out here is he's basically a crook. There's nothing you can rely on. He's completely undefined in the most negative sense. There's nothing he says that you could take seriously. Where Lovin in its source is actually profoundly healing. It's that you're not stuck in anything. You're not stuck in anything. Where does Leia come in? Huh? No, Leia is always higher than Rachel. Leia is Amadiskas. Yeah, yeah. Leia is the older. Leia is the older, meaning higher. Huh? When Yaakov is bringing down this ore, why stop at Dibur? Why not bring it to action? No, well, once it's Dibur, it's already out there. Yeah. yeah. So is it, is, it, is it fair to ask, what's the distortion in love of Lamata? Well, the love of Lamata is a very distorted image, just like we learned with Esau. The, 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 the Makif... What's the cause... Of the distortion. Yeah, because you've got this extreme uh, difference, right? And, and, uh, right. Is that a question? No, of course it's an important question. Where, where, does, where does the energy get stuck? Right. Where does the energy get stuck? And that's universal, right? Of course, always, always. And it's usually the way, the, the, the lower the fall, the higher it comes from. When, when, when a wall falls, yeah. the rocks on the top fall much oh, further. Yeah. And the apple on top of the tree falls further. Right, right. And when he's stuck, that's what he needs to fix. Always. And that could be healed and redeemed. That's the key. 
in the distortion lay usually the redemption, right? That was the point yesterday, that, that what a person is attracted to initially he's 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 attracted to himself as a Ramah, as a Ghana. Right. But in facing his 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 right, is that the point where is that the linchpin to cure himself? Yeah. Yeah, to sublimate it. There's a beautiful mice about the Balshamtiv they say that there was a uh, a mother who came to him, she had an ill child, and she begged him to pray to Hashem for for his recovery. And he prayed and prayed and prayed. And she kept on coming. So the Balshamtiv, you know, in every shtetl, in every Yiddish shtetl, there were known as a concept called Shtotkanovim, the city thieves. I don't know if they have them in Munsi. Shtotkanovim are basically people that they support themselves from thievery which was a respectable parnasa for many people, uh, still is for some people. Uh, it was a way to support your family with a lot of dignity. They went all the stud ganavim. And they had, they had morals of their own. You know, a ganav has principles of his own. Who you go to, who you don't go to, you know, when you go to them, before the chasana, after the chasana, he has money, doesn't have money. It was like this whole group of ganavim. So the Baal went to call these chevra to come daven with him. Now, they all had a lot of respect for the Balshamta. So they came. And they davened with him. So the Mai said that one of his Talmidim said, Rebbe, I don't understand. You have holy Talmidim, the Chavrai Kaddisha. You have people who are really of enormous stature in terms of Torah and Avaida. You go into the Ganovim, the lowest of the low. So the Balshamta said something, which at the surface seems anecdotal. It's really very profound. He said, I prayed and prayed but the gates of heaven were locked. And the locks were extremely, extremely heavy and tight. And I needed to get people who know how to break locks. So I took them. That's what he said. What he was really saying is something very profound. There's a reason they became Ganovim. You could just look at the person and say he's evil, he's horrible. You could look at a rebellious kid and say he's just lost, he's a sick person. He's a right? a lowlife, a horrible, despicable person. Or you could say he has an energy that can break locks. If you'll teach him how to break locks in heaven, he'll break locks in heaven. And if not, he's going to still break locks. <laughs> the question is which locks he's going to break. So it's about sublimating the energy. This is not about um, allowing immoral behavior. Completely not. Don't confuse it with that. It's about sublimating the energy and understanding the ultimate source of it, which was distorted. It was that's its tragedy. That's the whole idea of what happens with Clipper, right? That the makif gets distorted because it's not integrated. You don't know who you are. That's the challenge. So therefore, Lavan and his source, the Ramos of Lavan, is horrible to deal with. The Hechlifes Maskutia Seris Mainem, Akudim Nekudim, Nekudim Tluyim, Tluyim, every day is another Maisel. You know, you have such people in business, it's impossible. A Vart is Nishkin Vart, a contract is not a contract. Somebody once told me, he came a problem, so he said he was dealing with somebody, with a particular person, they had a Pesachutfus or something. So he came to him with this, we made up, we made up so and so, why are you doing this? So he says, first of all, we never made up. 
Second of all, even if we did, you didn't understand what I said. And third of all, even if we did, and you understood what I said, I changed my mind. <laughs> that kufa was with alumnus, you understand? That itself was with a pope. So it's very, you can't live this, so you, can't, you can't, it's very hard to have, if you have business relationships with these people, it's, it's like Yaakov and Lovin, it's very difficult. So that's on one level, and that's the MS. On a deeper level, though, we're now talking about the energy of it. The energy in its shoyrish actually comes from the space of divinity that's not fixed. The hechlefes maskuti, he switches Rachel to Leah. Just like in life, who does your switch from Rachel to Leah? Who does it? Lava, always lava. In other words, ultimately, it comes from a deeper place of God that you're not comfortable with, which is really kulei chesed. But it's very, very abstract. It's very transcendent. And there, Lavan will not allow you to remain fixed because Rachel is familiar, as we said. Rachel is my familiar spouse. It's the spouse that makes me comfortable. It's the spouse that works with my comfort zone. It's the spouse that I like initially because it doesn't challenge me. It suits my personality. Who switches Rachel to Leah? Who throws that curveball? It's like, whoa, I married the wrong person. The Shatchan said one thing. I married the wrong person. You know the anecdote, yeah? There was once a psakala, so uh, she met the chassan. So after she meets the chassan for a few hours, so the Shatchan comes in, you know, to sign the deal, and the main thing is to get the check. So she whispers to the Shatchan, she says, you're ligna shakin. you like love him. This is what happened. So she tells him, you said he's tall, he's short. You said he's slim, he's fat. You said he's good looking, he's ugly. You said he's intelligent, he's dumb. Chatkin says, you don't have to whisper, he's deaf too. (laughs) (laughs) So, So one day you wake up, and you wake up, and you see a whole new reality. It's like, whoa, this is a curveball in life. Who did it? It always comes from Lavan. Lavan is not defined. And Lavan challenges the person to open themselves up to those places that are not defined. Not to get stuck in your familiar places. So Lavan, in physical terms, in Pshutei Shalmikra, is a crook. He's called Lavan Arami. He's a Ramai. Lavan, in his source... Lovan's distortion of the source is Lovan alien. It's Chesodim Pshutim, it's Rachamim. And in Saras, you see, even in Saras, which is Tumat, it's not a good thing. Kulei Hafach Lovan. If it's all Lovan, it also becomes tired. If it's all Lovan, it becomes Tardos. So Lovan goes back, and now Yaakov takes over. By Yaakov, there's Taka no distortion. Huh? Always through love. Yeah. Not the shver, the shviger, but uh, I mean the concept, the k'meretach loven and inyan. Loven comes in many different names, remember, yeah? By definition. <laughs> this is also the reason that Rachel naturally was barren and fertile. Why Yaakov wants so much Rachel is because the birth that comes from speech always comes down into the lowest worlds, which are Birth is revelation. The fetus before birth, before pregnancy, is part of the seed and the egg of the parents, which is completely concealed. Even after conception, 
And after the, develop, the embryo develops and a fetus starts forming, it's still concealed. Birth represents complete manifestation, complete revelation. Yom Hoyledes is the day that it emerges, spiritually speaking. Dibur, which is Rachel. When there is birth from that, it means there's a Gilui in the most concrete world. There's a Gilui Elokos in Bri Yitzhirasiya. That's a very complicated feature. Because once we hit Bri Yitzhirasiya, the creatures are separated from God. In order to create Leida, which is the birth, which is the revelation of the Leida of pure godliness in Bri Yitzhirasiya, is quite a feat. We said Rachel is Almadiz Gali. He says, yes, but the Gilui, which is on the level of birth, that is very difficult. Birth, the baby actualizes the deepest essence of the father and the mother comes out in a baby. It's not just revelation of a certain lower state of consciousness. The deepest core, even beyond the subconscious comes out in a child, which is why a father and a mother often will do for a child things they will not do for themselves, including sacrificing their life. Which, L'chaydi, you might ask, if the whole reason you're sacrificing yourself for your child is because your child is part of you, you should treat your child as good as you, not better than you. If I love my child simply because my child is an extension of me, so I should treat my child as much as I treat myself, but people will do things for their children that they wouldn't do for themselves. They'll fight for their children in a way they don't fight for themselves. They'll die for their children in a way they would never, even if it means their own sacrifice. The pshat is, because your child represents a part of you that is deeper than the part of you that is represented to yourself. The child captures the core of yourself, that in your child you see something of you that you cannot even see in yourself. It's not just your conscious and it's not your subconscious. The core of the soul comes out in the child, so therefore the child represents a deeper self than the self represents. Which means when you look at your children, you could sometimes know things about yourself that you would never know from knowing yourself. Because you actually see it in your child. And that's why the Gemara says in Shavuos, Yafa Kayecha Ben, So the Pshat is the Kayecha Ben could be greater but as it says in Svarim, that itself, the Yofekayach Ben is also Mikayach The Ben is not really a new Kayach. It's the Kayach But in the Kayach it was so concealed. And in the Ben, it comes out. So even the Yofekayach Ben is also Mikayach But in the Av, it was completely concealed. So Leda is not just a revelation. It's a revelation of the deepest core of self. That the love on the should be able to be revealed on that level which Rachel reveals which is in Bri Yitzhira this is not a simple thing. Leia's birth is always a higher level, it remains still concealed. Rachel giving birth is a whole different level of revelation. The six spheres in Atzilis itself, not Dibur, Machshava, that Leia does. That was the source of the Shvatim, Shifte Yutke. The Tehillim calls them the Shiftatim of Hashem. So that Leia does, because Leia represents Machshava. Machshava is thought, thought remains internal. So even when thoughts are revealed, they're only revealed inside of you. Dibur is external, so the words come outside of you. In terms of spiritual reality, there's godly thoughts and there's godly words. 
The Torah describes creation as God speaking, not God thinking. Why? Words are also le- words are letters and thoughts are letters. You think in a language. Everyone here thinks in a language. Either English or Yiddish or French or Hebrew, whatever your language, usually your native language. But we think in letters. We think in languages. You can't think without a language unless it's pictures. And even then you process it usually through a language on some level, even if it's subtle. So why is Bria Sa'olam called Dibur Vayoymer Elikin? The answer is because Machshava is completely internal. Dibur is projective. When I speak, you can take the words and run with them as you wish, and you can misconstrue them. Thoughts are very hard to misconstrue because I don't share them. God didn't create the world with thoughts. He created it with words. If Hashem would have created the world by thinking, what would the world look like? It would look like God's thoughts. Now what does it look like? It looks like a world. Because it's God's words. And words assume a concretized identity which are external to the creator of the words. They leave. They leave the person. You may not even associate the words with the person. Right? If you say something in the name of the one who said it, you bring redemption. What's the big deal? And if you don't say it, B'Shem Oymre, Jews do it all the time. You think rabbis give sermons, they quote Yashem Oymre? They don't want to. They want it to be original. Ayyid came to the Chassam Seifer once. He was becoming a Rav. And he asked Rishus if he could say over Torah from the Chassam Seifer in his own name. Because he says, you know, I have nothing to say. But I can't quote you a whole day because they'll say, what do we need you? We'll read his Svarim. So I have to quote myself. I once heard a rabbi get up to speak and he says, I always say, and I hear that it's been quoted in my name too. So he tells himself, I want to say your title in my name. Himself says, no problem, I give you the shus. Just one thing. One thing. If you're saying your own title, don't say it in my name. <laughs> my title in your name, but not your title in my name. What's Pshat Kalaim Dov Bashem Emrevigulalum? So Khsidis Taichas Kala Oimer Dover Bashem Oimre. Everything in the world has a speaker. Hashem speaks the world into existence. But when we look at the world, we don't see it. Kala Oimer Dov Bashem Oimre. If in everything you identify the one who spoke it and the one who speaks it, maybe Gu'ulalam, you reveal the world from its concealment. Machshav is internal. In spiritual terms, Machshava is Atzilus, Riyitzirasi is Dibur, which is becomes a, it assumes an independent veneer. Rachel, which is Dibur, is Almadez Galia, which is much more separated from the core. Well, that's the difference between the conscious and the unconscious. The conscious assumes its own identity in the outside reality of consciousness, where the superconscious is still concealed much, much deeper in the source. Machshava and Dibur themselves exist on many levels. So from Leia, there should be birth of the ten, six Shvatim, the six spheres of Atzillas. That's not so complicated. For Rachel to be able to give birth, to be able to bring out that core into the world, the outside world, which is the world of Dibur, this is already a much, uh, a much bigger avoid. This is a struggle. He says, who are the children of Leia? The first is Yehuda. Yehuda is Hapam Oida. What's hapam oida? Now I will be grateful. All hayda, hayda is gratitude. The gratitude, submission. Gratitude is a form of, of vulnerability. I feel grateful to you. I feel thankful to you. It's never about words. It's always about thoughts. 
gratefulness that's only words, submission that's only words, doesn't have the power. It's about, you know, like Shekayach. Haidah is something that comes from Machshava. It's an internal process. Submission is not an external process. We all know when somebody says, I'm sorry, and it's words, or I'm sorry, and it's, it comes from thoughts. Seeing and hearing also transcend speech. They're products of thought. Now my husband will be connected to me. He'll accompany me. Levi, like escort, you're connected to me. It's also a product of thought. We see practically, people who are very thoughtful, they know how to be, a Baal Machshava means somebody who's a master of thought. He's often unaware of things that are happening. Because he could really connect to something in mindfulness and he's completely in a different space. So Reuven is seeing, Shimon is hearing. Levi is complete connection. Yehuda is gratefulness. These are the forced four shvatim of Leah. They are all elements of machshava, connected to the, their very internal internal experiences. I have to look it up. I don't remember. So myself Second thing I remember, the Gemara says in Masech Shabbos that there was a Tzduki who saw Rava learning and he was so involved in learning he was sitting on his finger and his finger started to bleed. So the Gemara says in Shabbos uh, around Peches, Peches he told, the Tzduki told Rava, I'm a Peziza. You are a uh, impetuous nation. A, um, I'm a Peziza. A uh, impulsive nation. The Kadmisu Pumaychu Ladunaychu. You, your mouth preceded your ears, meaning you said Nasa before Nishma, and you still do the same thing. Like, what are you so involved in Taita to the point that your, his hand, his fingers were bleeding? So his point is that he was such a Balmachshava that he didn't realize. He didn't realize. So that's Levi, when a person could be in that state. People who, are, who speak a lot, they're not Balmachshava. We're not talking about people who, who speak. Everyone speaks. We're talking about a concept. Somebody who lives in the world of projection... They're never aloof. They don't know what it means. A person who lives in the world of Machshav is a much more pnimizdika person. He's not, not necessarily aware and conscious of everything going around. So Machshav and Dibur are two states of consciousness. Dibur is you live always in the outside world. Machshav is you live in an internal world. And there are people who live in that world. They're not so affected by their environment. They, they sometimes go into a different space. They don't even notice what's happening. A person who's deeper is always in a projective mode. He's always responding to his outside. So Leia generally was a person of much more machshava, and therefore the children carry those names also. Who comes from Levi? He couldn't speak. Why couldn't he speak? Because people who are really in the world of thought, it's very hard for them to speak. Why? Because to be a mashpia, you have to be, you have to tear yourself away from being a receiver. Moshe Rabbeinu was so in tuned with a higher energy that naturally, the, we have in Yeridea, when you're busy absorbing, you can't emit. Moshe Rabbeinu was always in awe. He was like awestruck. 
And when you're in a state of being awestruck, you're silent, you're overtaken by something deeper. Somebody is in a state of Kabbalah, he can't be in a state of Hashpah. So Moshe not speaking is not because it was a flaw in Moshe, because it was the depth of Moshe Rabbein, it was hard for him to be mitzamtzim himself, to limit himself in being a communicator, because all communication is a compromise of energy. You basically have to come down into a state where you're very present and in a relationship with people outside of you and very sensitive to their, to their modality. So it's a sacrifice for Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe comes from Levi. Levi is Hapam Yilove Ishi. He's always connected. His antennas are always up. So he's always sensitive to the divine energy that's flowing in the world. And to become a Mashpia, to start giving it and communicate it, he has to tear himself away from it to be able to start talking. Like when you're, in, when you're, when you're listening to something and you're trying to concentrate on every word, you're trying to hold on, because if you're going to miss a word and then somebody starts talking to you, Right? You don't even say, wait a minute, because even the words, wait a minute, will disrupt you. You just make with your hand, and even that's too much. Even making with your hand. People who are familiar with the world of meditation, and the world of Hizboinenus, and the world of Machshavan, no. Even the slightest distraction, you're going to have to start talking, it, it, it just takes you into a different zone. So the world of Moshe, by definition, was, Kvat Peh, Kvat Lashen. He's not a person who's capable of talking. That's Dibur. Dibur is a different mode. Dibur is a mode of his galus. Leia is not the mode of Isgalus. Leia is in a mode of helam, of concealment. Not Dibur, but Machshava. It's like you're almost overwhelmed by a higher energy. You don't even feel your existence that you should be able to communicate. And communication means that you have to feel your existence, not only your existence, but you're a giver, you're a creator itself. The Ikira Hefresh ben Iskashu is the Levi Shobchinus Bittel, or ben Haidoya the Yehuda Shogam Kemchinus Bittel. There's a big difference between Levi and Yehuda. We said. Yehuda is haidoya, submission, which is a form of nullification. But Levi, you just said the same thing. Yehuda is like maidim. By maidim, the bitl is revealed. You push it, prostrate yourself. So Yehuda is the family of royalty. Malachim have to be about bitl. But it's a bitl that comes out in a very revealed way, because if not, you can't be a king. By Levi, the bitl is not external, it's in his core. You see mamish nothing. It's like the bitl of the heavenly legions. It's not physical prostration like moidim. It's like he's completely nullified in his spiritual comprehension. And that's why Moshe comes from Levi, not Melucha. Melucha comes from Yehuda. Moshe comes from Levi. Once Leah finishes the six, the four, she stops, when she stops this, she stops giving birth, now there can't be any gili. With Rachel, it's all different cheshbon. What's the difference, he says here, between Levi and Yehuda? There's two types of bittel. There's the bittel of a king, and there's the bittel of a navi. Moshe was ultimately not the family of Malucha. Shevet Levi were Koyane. Malucha belongs to Shevet Yehuda. A king, a real king, also has to be completely in a state of submission. Because power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. The only justification for somebody to have on the power, on the level of a melech is that he does not call the power his own. Rather, he sees his power completely 
as a vehicle to serve the people and serve Hashem. That's the only melech you could trust. Any other melech, any person with power, real power, who has any other agenda, you have to be stupid to trust. Because you will be abused. Right? Blind trust in dictators is a ridiculous thing. One of the great evils of history. So a melech is a very serious thing. The Gemara says in Brachas, Chavbeis, HaMelech Kivan Shekara Shuvene Zaykev. A regular Jew by Shmonesri, you say, Baruch Atah Hashem, and you daven, you're erect. A melech by Shmonesri, you know what the halach is. Baruch Atah stays down till Oysa Shalom. Till the end. That's the halach. Why? So everyone is up, and the poor king is all the way down. Yeah, you can give him a few pets if you don't like him. He won't know who did it. What's the verse? So everyone stands, all Shmonesri straight, and he's the only one who's down. The Pshat is exactly, he's the only one who got to be down, because he got the power. Anybody else could be up, he can't. The moment he forgets that he's a shliach, he's a conduit, he's a channel, it's not about him. It's not about his ego and his power and his talents and his charisma. He's not a melech. He, he'll, he will be corrupt, that's what will happen. That's what happened to many or maybe most monarchs in history. That's exactly what happened. So, on the other hand, if you're completely nullified, you can't be a king. A king sends people to war. A commander-in-chief can't be a shmata. You have to be very, very, very uh, assertive. A leader has to be extremely strong. So what type of bittel is it? It's not the bittel where he can melt away in a state of meditation and mindfulness. A king has to be present in reality. That's what Yehud is. You have to be a lion. You have to be present. You can't be in an aloof world. You can't be prophesizing in heaven. So you are in a very concrete world. But you have to be able to buy down. Kohuna is a different role. Levi is a different role. Moshe is a different role. He couldn't talk. That's a bit till the whole core is, so to speak, nullified. That's the chilik in machshav itself between Leia and Now there's a parenthesis which finishes the discussion and culminates it. You could look in the Maimir and Shlach, where Kalev and Yeshua argue with the spouse. Now listen to this. The struggle of Rachel and Leia is not over. The whole generation of the desert came from Leia. We mean spiritually. Some of them came from Rachel. Spiritually, their souls belonged to Leia, the world of thought. Vitanu, this was their complaint. Why should we go into Eretz Yisrael? Why should we go down to a world of speech? What's going to happen in Eretz Yisrael? Oh, we need trumas, we need maestras, we have to become farmers. No, who needs it? All Torah and mitzvahs you could do much better through mindful meditation. Instead of eating matzah, take away all the food, sit by the seder table, put both arms on your knees, breathe, and think about liberty. And it will be far less stressful Pesach. With two kazais and with afikoimans, and this, the whole headache of Eretz Yisrael is Maisa, dibur. In the midbar, they were essentially in a state of thought. It was a thoughtfulness. So they came from Leia, 
And there was, this was their time. It wasn't they were stomp corrupt. They didn't want to go into Eretz Yisrael. They felt it's going to destroy the fabric of what they had in the Midbar. Ach be'emes hoyu betoz gadl. They made a big error. Da'idei dibur o'may sedafke nimshach gilu erin seif baruchu b'yeser seis lane kates. It's only when you could filter reality through speech and then action that the infinite truth of Hashem becomes manifested even stronger. The end is always etched in the beginning. It's only when you bring things down all the way that you actually reveal the ultimate source. Like we say, Moshe, who comes from Levi, who knows what Leah is, Davin's 515 tefillahs just to go into Eretz Yisrael. Knowing the mile of the Midbar of Eretz Yisrael. And this was their taina. They said, Eretz Oicheles Yoshveha. It's a land that eats up its inhabitants. What did they mean according to this? They meant, the moment you come into the real world of Dibur Emaisa, you're dead. You're dead. You get eaten up. It's much better to remain in the world of Machshava, of aloofness, of sublimity. That's where reality is. Machshava, stay there. Stay in Ahmadis Gaza. Don't come down to Ahmadis Galia. The mistake was not that they're wrong. They have a point. He's not arguing with it. He doesn't say they're wrong. They had a point. The part is, it's by coming down, it's by coming down that you access the ultimate truth. No, it's Saifa Batchilas. Valpiza Yuvan Oit that's now we'll understand more Yaakov's love to Rachel. She pchinis diburu ma'isa ki snua leya hepech mikavonas deira midbar. Snua leya doesn't mean literally hated leya. He meant that the ultimate kavana is not leya. The ultimate objective is not to remain in the deira midbar, to remain in the desert in the pchin of machshav. Va'amnam tzarich biyur ebazay. You have to understand mashama leya pami love ishi elai. Leya just says, does say finally my husband will be close to me. According to this, as Leia is saying, oh, I want to get Yaakov away from Rachel and finally be only with me. So in other words, according to the spiritual meaning, what is she saying? I don't want him to go, that the Jews should go into Eretz Yisrael. I don't want Dibra Maisa. The truth is, Yiddishkeit is not about Rachel or Leia. Both qualities are vital. Machshava and Dibaramais. The Hobeloi Holoi Sagi. One without the other is insufficient. Ein Mashakosov Makamacha be inyin Livyosan Vesher Habar. Shogamkin inyin base Pchinis Hanal. Livyosan Loshin is Kashrus, Levi, Pchinis Bittel, the Nune Yamek Mayapamilov. The Medrash says that La Osid Lovit is going to be a big war between the Leviathan and the Shair Habar, the gigantic bull, and they're going to kill each other. And from this beat, there's going to be the Suda for Tzadikim La'asid Lovay. Right? Everybody knows the Nigan, Vasvet Mengeben by the Suda, yeah, Levyasan, Shair Habar, etc. So what is this, a joke? Levyasan and Shair Habar is Leia and Rachel. Levyasan comes from the word Levi. Levyasan is Nune Ma'yama, the fish under the water. Fish under water are always in a state of concealment. They never emerge. Shar Habar is on the dry land. It's a whole different reality. Levyosin and Shar Habar together will be eaten. Levyosin is a skashrus. Levyosin is the, the, it's very aloof, very sublime, very connected. You're underwater. And both, from both is going to be the Sudalah Asad Why from both? 
because you need Rachel and Leah. The Leah Ratzah saw she ikirai de pchinazu. Machlaikas was Leah wanted the ikiravai de Hashem should be through this pchinal. Derech Shamru the Mishnah says in Brachas bechsidim arishayim shall you show and test shoyes bechal yom betfilah. The Mishnah says in Brachas that the early Hasidim used to spend nine hours a day davening. Shmuel Nasser took an hour before and after mindfulness before Shmuel Nasser. Mindfulness after Shmuel to bring it down three hours. Shachris min chamaidiv three six nine nine hours a day davening. By the way, if we would daven Shmuel for an hour, that would mean that every word you have to stop for nine seconds. You say every word and you meditate on each word for nine seconds. I believe that would make Shmuel more or less an hour, right? So if you ever try to do that, you can actually get into it. You need at least nine seconds for a word. If you don't spend nine seconds on a word, you're holding sim shalom. Oh, well, that was fast, right? Maybe if you're having a certain issue, so you, you remember that you're davening. But, uh, you know, shiva whatever, here we go again. But if you do nine seconds, not nine seconds of bracha, nine seconds of word, nine seconds, baruch, baruch, nine seconds, ata. Ata could mean something. This is the pchina of leya, machshava. Not, these chasidim are rishonim. This was the pchin of Leia. Nine hours a day. There's not much left to the day, but this was life for them. What are you? What, nine hours davening is in order to get to work, right? So what's uh, what's the? But this was life. They didn't want to go anywhere. This was it. They didn't have to go anywhere. So uh, it was a chaser of the tzemach His name was Reb Hillel Paracha. So he once tells the balagolas, balagola, come. I want to go to the Rebbe. So they go. I want to go there for Shabbos. The problem is, he says he knew he, da- he daven long. So he said he made a deal with him that he has to daven Friday short. Because if not, they're not going to make it Shabbos uh, to the city of Lubavitch in Belarus. Lepoyer of Hillel started to daven. So he comes, the guy starts screaming. <laughs> we made a deal. He says, let's, let's go back home. He says, what do you mean you wanted to go to the Rebbe? So I wanted to go to the Rebbe because I needed help in my davening. But today, so I'm gone. Mission was accomplished. That's it. I'm there, I'm there. His davening was his objective. B'meila, that's chesidim arishay. So now he says, Frek the Gemara, Emosai, Teirosa Nasis. The Gemara asks in Brochus, so when did they learn? Elamatech shechesidimein. The Gemara says, Teirosa mishtameres. That's what the Gemara and there. Chesidim, their Teirosa was preserved. Haridoi vasaka ma'yal derech zeh. So you see, this was their, this was their life. Omnam Yaakov yada, but Yaakov nu, shezei efsherak libnei aliyashem u'atim. This is possible for some people, and it's needed for some people. Bnei Aliyah means higher people, but they are few. I will call Yisrael Most Jews, the most involvement in life, ultimately they experience life through words and deeds. You can't expect for most people to operate on a level of thought. Some do, but not most. Most people are not in a state where they're levy. Hapami lover, they melt away in thought, and that's where life is. It's 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 asking for something that they don't can't relate to. That, that's what you said in the beginning, Mike. That's why Gullus was such a problem. Yeah. Because people couldn't only know exactly. to figure out. Once Gullus happens, the only way you can get Leia is without Rachel. And to get that is very difficult. Because it's a much deeper and higher space. So Yaakov spent where did he establish his place in the oil Rachel? Not because he never appreciated Leia. But because he understood, in a funny way, that the world of Leia is a very beautiful world, a very deep world. 
But the main avoid of Yaakov as the father of the Jewish people was to invest, to spend time, to create a relationship between Lavan, between Loivan Elyon and Dibur Amais. But Leia says, I don't want to lose Yaakov. Hapami love you need machshava. Shemizen nim That allows you to see, allows you to hear, allows you to gaze at the glory of the king, which words and actions don't. You need that state of sublimity. Even the Jews, the Dibur has to sometimes go to Leia. Somebody who says, I only have Torah, so then even Torah he doesn't have. The Seder is Rotsay, which is ascending, Leia, and then Shuv, which is returning. And you always have to go back, because ultimately the end is etched in the beginning. The only trouble with this is that Moshe came from Levi. I mean, Moshe was not up in the clouds as a you know, space kid that just connected all the time. He was really working with... Right. But that's the whole Chiddush of Moshe, in other words. The whole Chiddush of Moshe was, he's arguing with Hashem, it's not for me, it's not for me. He doesn't stop with that. But that was the Chiddush of Moshe, that Hashem basically said that despite your natural state, he became much like a new person. That was the great Messir Nefesh, and that's why at key moments in Moshe's life, he, he, he like breaks down in Parshas Baloischa. He's like, Hargeni, no. What, what do you want? I'm not going to fight with them about sushi and shalant. They want shalant. They're saying there's not enough. What happened in Baloischa is they're like, there's no kishka in the shalant. <laughs> so, Chaynu is Hadaga. We remember the shalant in this. Moshe's like, really? This is where we're at after everything? This is really not my world. This is really, this, this was his, this was a, it was a unique transformation. The mysterious nefesh of Moshe was not, it was not that he has to uh, give away his physical life. The mysterious nefesh of Moshe is that he has to deal with people. It wasn't, he was so beyond, they thought Moshe is parochial. When Koyrach comes to him and says, oh, you want power, you want power, power. The mysterious nefesh was not that he gave away his whole life, that he had to deal with that. You understand? This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.